are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans at NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Thursday, another day of the offseason for your New Orleans Pelicans. But I want to talk about a couple of things. One comes from a game that I watched last night, the Lakers beating the Phoenix Suns, or the other night, I should say. And the Anthony Davis game was a little bit weird, but it's not really that. It's how many free throws he took and the way that he was playing and how that relates, maybe unfairly so, to Zion Williamson. Then we'll get into the player uh, season in review for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And then finally, I'm going to play a clip from the live locker room show that we did yesterday. So jam-packed edition in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. All right, so we learned last season that the NBA, and in particular just referees, have no idea how to officiate Zion Williamson to the point that David Griffin went on this whole performative only thing and was fined for it, so maybe less performative than he would have liked, thing, talking about how they failed Zion Williamson. Oh, that's, if you guys remember, we talked about it, and particularly like the stuff that David Griffin did, but whatever. There was a larger point to be made, and he wasn't wrong about that. Zion is not officiated properly. I... Did a podcast about this diving into the numbers of how he gets into the paint basically more so than anyone else. And though he receives a high number of foul calls, it's not necessarily proportionate to how much he gets into the paint. And it doesn't need to be a direct correlation, right? But you get into the paint where there's bodies closer and people hitting each other more. You're getting contact made. And they just don't tend to call it. And in general, the NBA has trouble with this, right? They'll call touch fouls on the perimeter, but that same player gets inside, you know, they don't necessarily call it. It's almost like there's contact allowed in the restricted area or by the basket more so than elsewhere when that really isn't in the rule book or, or really a thing that should be the case. So when I was watching last night's game between the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns, LA evens that series, which by the way, it's just a shame that Chris Paul is injured right now. Like that's not fair from the basketball gods to deny us his brilliance in this series when it really easily could be Phoenix up 2-0 on him. But Anthony Davis was big in this game, 34 points. He had a kind of weird game overall, but stats wise, it looks really good. 34 points on 15 shots. Do the math there for a second, right? Because he took 21 free throws in this game. He took more free throws than he had field goal attempts in this game. Think about that. So by the way, the next time someone says Zion shouldn't get more foul calls than he gets, you can point right to this one and go, no, he should. And there's a precedent for it. Anthony Davis was 18 of 21 at the line in this game, 34 points in the night. He was just 7 of 15 from the field. And then you look at his shot chart and look at where his shots came from. It was all over the place. He took by the official count. Now, this isn't going to count the shots that he was fouled on where he went to the line. Just four shots in the restricted area. Just four shots total in the paint. He was shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers. And he was getting fouled on those, but anytime he started to go inside, they started to give him a foul call. 
but it's not like all of his work was done in the paint like it's like Zion does. So when someone says, no, you can't call fouls that much. Yeah, you can. You sure as hell can if you watch that Anthony Davis uh, play in game two because he got those calls, all of them. Anytime he touched the ball, anytime he started to venture towards the paint, he was fouled. You can absolutely, based on what we saw in the playoffs here, call all of those things. We saw it. It's It, it happened in this game. It was kind of insane to see that a guy with a high usage percentage getting foul after foul after foul after foul. And look, there was contact. He should have been going to the line. These weren't like touch fouls or anything like that. But it also shows you that you can actually do that. NBA or people who don't think Zion deserves to go to the line as much as he did. In this past season, the highest amount of free throws Zion ever took in a game was 18. So many Anthony Davis made in this game. He took 21. You absolutely can send him to the line 21 times. This wasn't him doing anything like out of the ordinary. It was just them fouling him on plays because he had the ball in his hands and was going towards the rim. So do the same for Zion Williamson next season. And if David Griffin wants to send more of a message to the league, send him this tape and this box score because AD got everything. And we've seen way more contact on Zion than some of the fouls he had. And again, they were fouls on Anthony Davis. But you clearly can send a guy to the line that much. They did it in a huge game on TNT, right? It's a thing. It can happen. I, I, you know, I don't really know what else to kind of say from this. Anthony Davis scored 53% of his points last night from the free throw line. You can let Zion do that. Not, not a problem. Again, precedent here for it. Just kind of wild to see the disparity between him and Anthony Davis. And I do wonder if... It is one of those things where, you know, it's name recognition, it's star calls, all of that, and Zion just doesn't have it yet. But it's his third year in the league, and he should, well, it will be his third year in the league. He should definitely start to get those calls based off of what we saw in, la- in the other night's game between the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. So we'll get into the Nikhil Alexander-Walker season in review coming up here next. But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by rockauto.com. You guys hear me talk about this all the time. It's a product. It's a site that I actually use. I like to work on my cars myself. I have an older car from 1976. And what's great about this is they just emailed me literally yesterday saying, hey, we have a bunch of parts for the car that you have saved on our website on sale right now. I went to click on it and just took a look. Ordered a whole bunch of stuff, was saving as much as 73% on one of the things that I ordered. Whether it's big things or little things, they have it all over there at rockauto.com. I need a new windshield wiper motor for the car. It was 48% off. Yeah, I'm going to take advantage of that. Littler things like control arm bushings that you just need to have on your car and don't want to wear out. Those were 73% off. I go on and on and on. I picked up a couple of belts that just need to be redone. All of these things. It's just easier to do the work yourself and cheaper to do the work yourself and keep your car on the road because you know what? If you're trying to buy a new or a used car right now, there's a lack of inventory and you're going to pay way more for those cars right now because of that. You can save some money by doing the work yourself and you can save even 
more money on those parts over at rockauto.com. It's a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Everything you could possibly want, whether it's a classic car, your daily driver, you can get it all in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Because best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, continuing the season in review series here today, it's Nikhil Alexander-Walker, second-year guard, former first-round pick for your New Orleans Pelicans. Same draft as Zion, who's been taking 17th overall. Had a pretty solid year, like very good year, I think, all things considered. Averaged 11 points per game this year, three rebounds, 2.2 assists, shot 34.7% from three on pretty good volume. Not great from the field overall, just at 42%. But when you look at his per 36-minute numbers, dude looks like a scorer. 18.2 points per game, 5 rebounds, 3.6 assists. Those assists, by the way, down from his per 36-minute numbers than they were last year. With Point Zion in much more of an effect, with Ingram taking some of those duties as well, they needed him to score the ball more so than create for others. But by being aggressive, I do think he does create for others as well. He played in 46 games, 13 starts, Overall, really good season. And, by the way, was an above-average defender. He's not a good defender by any means, but he does have good size, good length in particular, too. He's 6'6". He's got a longer wingspan than that. He's got pretty decent, I think, strength and the speed to keep up with most people. And you can see he's learning the game and that he did visibly take a step forward defensively this year compared to his rookie year. He was average this year. And you know what? For a guy who's second year in the league, I think that's pretty good. The only downside for him this season really was missing 18 games in the middle of the year, right after he was starting to hit his peak, by the way. He was starting to play very, very well and had a couple of really strong games right before he went down for 18 games before coming back for the final five, but it was just a little too late for New Orleans, but he would have given them a lot of what they needed during that stretch. The numbers for him kind of speak for themselves in the games leading up to that injury, and if you don't count the Houston game when he was injured and the seven-game stretch before that, he averaged 18.9 points, 19 points per game, 5.4 5.4 rebounds, 2.9 or 2.7 assists, one steal, one block, and he did it while shooting 40% from three on nine attempts per game. He was making 3.6 threes per game, so more than three threes on average per game during that seven-game stretch before he hurt his ankle and then ended up being out of the lineup for a significant period of time. He looked like a dude that could absolutely light it up, and that was one of the more consistent stretches because he is missing that. That's the one thing that he's missing is just consistency to his game. So many times he would have really rough shooting nights. 0 for 5, 1 of 8, 1 of 6, 1 of 5, 1 of 5, 1 of 5, 2 of 8, 2 of 8, and so on and so forth. You're going to need him to hit that those numbers consistently. There we go. But if he can get to 38% from 3, he doesn't need to be above 40. He's going to be a very, very useful player for New Orleans. And they do need a guy off the bench like that who can step in and score. 
And in some of those starts, he did very well, particularly against the Clippers. Though the team lost, he put up 37 points back on uh, January 13th. Eight rebounds in this one, one assist, but he doesn't need to be the assist guy. He's out there to go and simply get buckets, I think, for this team, and that's the role that he needs to fill. When you had guards that sometimes couldn't give you points in Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe, having Nikhil Alexander-Walker out there to just do it, I love it. You needed a guy that wanted to play downhill and he's fearless. He can finish very well with his left hand around the rim. He's a good passer with both his left and his right hand. He can also finish at the rim with his right hand too. Overall, you have to love what you're seeing from him. If I were to pick between him and Jackson Hayes, I'm still higher on Jackson Hayes until I see Nikhil Alexander-Walker become a little bit more consistent. But it sounds like and looks like he's already in the gym working out right now. He's posting those Instagram videos of his off-season workouts and it's been like a week and a half. I love a dude like that who's already in the gym grinding away, trying to be the very best. He's not on you know vacation in Cancun. He's not taking extended time off and relaxing, which you know what? These guys are definitely entitled to. He wants to be out there grinding, trying to become a better basketball player, and that's hopefully what he's going to end up doing. And he's a guy that's going to be into the rotation very significantly next season. I think you'll see him get upwards of 25 plus minutes per game. They should be giving him that at the very least. And it seems like he's at least ready to try the challenge of that role. We'll see if it ends up working out for him, if he can find that consistency. But if he can work on the three-point shot, it's going to open his game up tremendously. If he can finish a little bit better around the rim, and I mean incrementally, right? Like it doesn't need to be huge, huge jumps, but little bits to his game like that. Yeah, he's going to be pretty good offensively. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And if he just naturally keeps improving defensively, coming with the basketball IQ, the toughness, all of that, he's going to be a well-rounded guy that can be a spot starter next season and a guy off the bench that you trust to go and get you points and maybe try and punish and push opponent's second units. That's where you want to see him. That's what you want to see him do. And just that aggressive attacking mentality, get downhill, try and score. When that's taken away from you, look for the open man and get the ball there because he's capable of doing that. And he will find them and there will be someone who is open. And all he has to do is get the ball there and he's shown he's capable of that. So I'm excited for Nikhil Alexander-Walker next year. Buying Nikhil Alexander-Walker stock for sure. All right, coming up, I'm going to play a clip from the live locker room show that I had yesterday. If you want to join me on those, they're Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central on the Locker Room app. Download it wherever you get your apps from. But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action over at BetOnline. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for any sport, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out the great news sign up bonuses and contest information so don't sit on the sidelines anymore as the playoffs are here and it's one of the only places that you can get odds on the WNBA so we're deep into all of this now may as well make those games a little bit more interesting. So head to the website using your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at betonline.ag betonline your online sportsbook experts Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is also brought to you by Built Bar. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? And did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor like the birthday cake flavor out there right now, which is absolutely delicious. And if you really want to try these, 
it's a really good place to start and I would jump on that immediately before they sell out. The nine flavors though, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate and salted caramel. You guys know I love the mint brownie. It's like mint chocolate chip ice cream except in protein bar form and good for you whether you're using it as a meal replacement or before or after a workout, maybe for breakfast. These things are great because they have 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories. Some have 18 grams of protein and just 180 calories. You don't need to worry about wasting all of the cardio that you just did. So if you want to give them a try, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, so we had the live locker room show yesterday, at least 30 minutes, once a week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central. Hopefully, you'll be able to join me next week. I'm going to play a a clip from yesterday's chat that we had talking a little bit about Brandon Ingram and what the Pelicans do and where they go with him. Let me get David up here. David, how's it going? So I was going to just comment because I agree with you with uh, B.I. stepping up on in defense. Uh, I think that's a big piece. One of the things that I feel that I'd like to see Stan Van Gundy do differently with B.I. defensively is one of two things. Either, number one, give him more challenging assignments. I felt that a lot of times throughout the year, he basically tried to hide him rather than put him on someone tough and challenge him to guard them. And I think that's something that BI needs. The other option would be to try and make him this kind of like safety and like, like an NFL safety where you put him in the spot and you challenge him to go after steals and you challenge him to, you know, jump the lanes more. Um, I think it has to be one of those two things where you're, you're putting him in more of that position to say, Hey, look, we're not just saying, Hey, be better defensively. No, I'm putting you on this type of person on this, this player, because we need you to shut him down. And I think that he, he relied so much on Lonzo and on Hart and even putting blood. So on tough for assignments that what I felt Sam Van Gundy needed to do was put BI in those situations because BI came in the year said he wanted to be challenged more defensively. You know what? He wanted Stan Van Gundy to, to get on him and he might not have really wanted that, but that's the type of <laughs> thing that I would have liked to see uh, him, him get challenged a little bit more on. No, I, I, so I think that's fair. So there, there's two sides to this, right? Like that would have been great to do this year. I agree with you in a year where you had a lot of excuses it wouldn't have mattered. Like, ultimately, did they miss the playoffs? And is it disappointing? Yeah, but does it matter that much? No, not not really. Do you think they're able to even do that next year with the expectations and that so, you know and the stakes that might be there? Because if he fails at that one, you do learn a lot about Brandon Ingram as a player and where he is mentally. But that probably means you're going to lose a bunch of games too. So would it be smarter to hide him and just have to kind of manage that side of him, which is part of a coach's job? I think you might eventually have to, but I would still put forth that. I, I, I'd still, I'd still put forth that challenge. I, I think if, if you know, he he talks about wanting to be great, and I know they talk about saying even in some of the other articles. I don't remember if it was you or is another another article uh, where they talked about where you know he's now kind of similar on a similar page with Stan Van Gundy, where he understands where he needs to step up defensively more. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. just a matter of, of kind of, like I said, I think you either have to challenge him and say, look, you're going to, you're going to take the LeBrons. You're going to take the Kawhis. We're not going to put you on the the third or fourth best player out there. No, we're going to put you in position to say, 
shut this guy down or or said or kind of build the defense around having him be this this safety kind of the where where you see kind of the way LeBron defends in the regular season where he's going to be the guy who has still has responsibility of calling things out um, but then also being that guy who's supposed to jump into the lanes and doing things like that I just think it has to be more than okay here's your guy guy guard him some of that defense has to kind of be built around him and then if he fails okay hey now we have to hide him so I think it's got a I think it's coming out starting that way and then okay. if he fails at it okay hey bi you're not getting it done and that's where you know, number one we're going to hide you number two we might have to hey we're stan van gun you might have to sit him for a little bit kind of like when we talked when you talked about it before it's like hey these guys aren't getting them getting it done sit them down that's where that can happen with something like bi if he's not getting it done defensively no, I, I don't think you're wrong in that approach. And look, if I were the coach, that's probably the way I would go with it. So I, I, I agree with you. Just put him in that position to almost like sink or swim, right? Like, here you go. This is, this is what it's going to take. We're just going to throw you right on into it. You know, I, I wonder if they, they don't do that because they're worried he would fail off the bat with it. And you don't really want to put players in a position to fail just due to, uh, you know, that can lead to a number of bad things, I think. But so let's say he does fail. Let's say you try that and then he does not kind of live up to that and rise to the occasion. What do you do next from a team building perspective? Do you move on from him? Do you try and move him out of here in New Orleans if you're David Griffin? Like what what happens next? Or do you then just go, okay, this is just kind of one of those problems that we're going to have to just manage, you know, as long as he's on the roster and trying to build this team? Uh, You know what? I am such a huge Brandon Ingram fan. Like he's probably – him and Zion are definitely my two favorite players. I, I, uh-huh. I, I don't want to see him get traded. I want him to stay on here. Uh, and I think, and I would probably, if I was that GM with how special he is offensively, I'd probably look to say, okay, we just need to work. We need to build around this um, with other mm-hmm. defenders. Um, then, you know what, continuing to, to try and then trying to continue to work with him to bring him along um, if it doesn't work. So that's probably what it would end up to be. Um, Cause I also think my, my, my biggest thing is if you trade BI for someone significant, like trying to get someone better, number one, that's a pretty high echelon to bring back. Not, not exactly and, easy to do. You're probably bringing back a worse player. Yeah. And to me, if you're bringing back a worse player, you know what, now you have Zion going, you just traded BI who's an all-star and you brought back a worse player. That's the that's the problem that I think that you run into is you don't get the value in return. And then you have Zion who's like, you just traded away my my second all star for someone not as good. So I think you just have to you have to try and bring someone in and even being a kind of that third all star type player um, or someone who's just that true veteran presence who, you know, what you can you can lead into um, to try and kind of kind of take that on. and You'd end up to have to manage it. No, so so I'm 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 entirely with you on this. Actually, I, I fully agree with basically every single thing you just said. I've seen and I've had people text me, like all of my friends text me all the time, being like, "What do we do about this?" Or like, "I hate Brandon Ingram." I've gotten a couple of those texts recently um, over him and some of his kind of like lackluster play at times, particularly on defense. The problem is right, like you're in a small market. It's you don't attract big names in all star players here regularly. So when you have one. 
you, you kind of need to keep them, right? You can't just be like, well, this dude doesn't try on defense. We're going to ship him out or he clashes with Stan Van Gundy. So let's ship him out. It doesn't really work like that here. You can't, you know, talent wins and he's a very, very talented player, even if he has, unfortunately, limitations defensively. And you need to keep those guys here. And I also agree with the part of what does it send to, what's the message it sends to Zion Williamson? And that's the overarching thing on everything when it comes to this, right? What message are you sending to Zion? And how can you keep Zion here while also building a contender as long as possible? And so shipping him out, I think, could be a very big problem. There's very real limitations to Ingram's game, just like there are for Lonzo Ball, though less so. But at a certain point, you know, it's just you got to kind of manage it and deal with it. I so there you go. It's your time to shine when we do these live locker chats. I want to hear from you. I'm going to ask you all questions as well. We get to go back and forth with it. With it. it is so much fun. I love them because of how interactive they are. Hopefully able to see you all next week. So that's going to do it for the Thursday edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.